0: Welcome to Will Write for Wine, a podcast about wine, writing, and song, but mostly wine and writing. With your hosts Samantha Graves and Lonnie Diane Rich. Take it away, girls. Thank, Thank you, Amanda. Wanda.
1: Welcome to Will Write for Wine. This is Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is Samantha Graves. We're here to talk to you about wine and writing. And today's episode is a dialogue on dialogue, in which we will be talking about talking. <laughs> And this really is Lonnie's
2: baby because she does it so well. <laughs> I'm just here to fill in any dead air.
1: <laughs> if there is any, because <laughs> you know me. Anyway, that's all later on in the program, but first we have wine. Yes, we do. So, Lonnie, what are you drinking tonight? Well, tonight I am having a 2005 Ménage et Trois, right, white, right. Okay, already. ready. <laughs> already I'm, we're in the a block and I'm screwing it up white table wine from folia do uh, I don't Adu. have the alcohol percentage they don't tell me every time I have a white table wine they don't tell me the alcohol percentage I don't know hmm. if there's some kind of law that maybe they don't have to or whatever I don't know um, <laughs> and uh, I don't remember how much it costs so I'm completely useless when it comes to information tonight. <laughs> I do remember though that it was cheap. I think it was like around eight bucks. So between the price and the name, uh-huh. I cannot pass it up. Menage Ab- a trois. I mean, Ab- please, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the wine notes are uh, a delightful blend based on three varietals: Chardonnay, Moscato, and Chenin Blanc. Hmm. I've never had Moscato or Chenin Blanc, so I think it's yeah. it's really neat. Um, There's soft flow, floral. <laughs> I'm just horrible tonight. Forget it. I'm out. I'm out already. Soft floral aromas and gentle caressing fruit flavors leave you wishing for more. Ah, and it that's is it's the name quite yummy. It's quite <laughs> yummy. It's a little sweeter. Than um than I usually go for I think that's mm-hmm. the Moscato because yes, you were saying it that was really sweet yep. um but uh, but I like it it's got really interesting flavors I can pick out the Chardonnay part of it but the mm-hmm. other two I don't really uh, know that well so it's it's very interesting it's it's nice it's different mm-hmm. so what cool. are you drinking tonight Well tonight I'm drinking a Chardonnay. Yay! Yay! Now,
2: I'm not a big Chardonnay fan, but I figured Mm -hmm. if I spent enough money, I'd get Mm -hmm. a decent one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because sometimes, you know, you don't like a wine because you just never have had a really good, Mm -hmm. you know, bottle of that particular Mm -hmm. type of wine. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm having a 2005 Sonoma Coast La Crema Mm -hmm.
1: Chardonnay
2: from California. Mm -hmm. It is $18 a bottle. And yeah, and you would think for 18 bucks that they would at least give you a blurb and alcohol percentage, but no. I had to ah. go to the site. I, uh. Oh, I Shocking. know. Yeah. Oh my so gosh. I do like it. It's got a little bit of an oaky taste, but it's not overpowering. Mm-hmm. So the wine notes are fresh aromas of citrus, butterscotch, and lemon peel, Ooh. open to appealing hints of jasmine and nutmeg. On the palate, rich. Buttercream, pear, and citrus meld to create a plush, rounded middle. Huh. With toast and caramel <gasps> added richness and texture to the long lingering finish. Again Yo, with the toast. I got to the toast. I'm like,
1: oh, cheese. <laughs> and again. <laughs> How does toast, I mean, that was one of my bottles a couple of weeks back had toast in it, supposedly. You know, all I can, env- is, can
2: envision is them, like, taking toast and, like, tossing it into the wine vat. You know, I don't know. It just doesn't, I don't know. So, I anyway, know. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's good. It's good. Uh, and oh, good. Uh, 13.5% alcohol.
1: Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Sounds yeah. good. All right. Uh, now that we know what we're drinking, we need to mm-hmm. talk about who we love this week. It's time for shout-outs and shout-offs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, my big shout-out this week goes to Sam, who sent me a box of wine from My Wines Direct for my birthday, which is still a couple of weeks away, but still, it was really nice. Um, I got another bottle of Agua Fresca, which I love and cannot find anywhere except through MyWinesDirect.com, um, and some champagne, which Fish and I will be sharing when the kids go to Alaska this summer to visit their parents. two weeks, two weeks. Two weeks. Oh, man, but mostly um, that means that more I've got more new wines for the podcast, and mm-hmm. that is always really exciting. <laughs> so, And bonus, here's the thing about com. It's not just that you don't have to leave the house, but it's that the UPS guy brings you the wine. So you've got both the UPS guy, and they're mm-hmm. always cute. Does anybody have an ugly UPS guy? I've never seen I, one. No. Um, and he's delivering wine, and it just doesn't get any better than that. So thank you, Sam. <laughs> You're welcome. I can't think of a better gift on your
2: birthday than wine delivered by the UPS guy. Right. It's like a twofer.
1: It's like no twofer. Kidding. <laughs> it's my best birthday ever.
2: You know, every time I see those commercials, what can brown do for you? It's like, oh
1: I know. <laughs> I'm like, actually, I have some yeah. thoughts on that. <laughs>
2: Well, I have a shout out to the chocolate fairy at work. You have a chocolate fairy. I have a chocolate fairy. You see, every Monday we come into our, our suite mm-hmm. and find two new bags of lint chocolates on the table.
1: <gasps>
2: Seriously. This has been going on since I started there last November. <laughs> and no one knows who the chocolate fairy is, uh-huh. if, he, if it's a he or she. We don't know where they work or how they manage to sneak into our office before we get in. So, yeah, so it's like this big mystery. Oh,
1: my gosh, that's so cool.
2: I know. And whoever it is can really keep a secret because we are, like, absolutely
1: (laughs) clueless. Isn't that funny? <gasps> oh, my gosh. That is so cool. I know. It's really, really that's nice. A, I see, just... It's those little things that people do that make such a huge difference yeah. in your day. You know, that's awesome. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I smile every
2: time I see that bag. That's so So sweet. I just want to... Thank the chocolate fairy out there, whoever you are, for the many happy moments.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is so great. But, of course, now I'm, like,
2: dying to know who it is. <laughs> oh, me too. I, like, want to set up a video recorder
1: at night, oh, you know. I know. And just, yeah. Seriously. And just catch him. Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. Well, I think that covers us for <laughs> shout-outs and shout-offs. And we will be back in just a minute. At Will Wright for Wine, we want to make it perfectly clear that we do not encourage excessive drinking. Excessive drinking is bad. It hurts you, it hurts your family, it totally screws with your ability to put lipstick on properly, and we do not encourage it. A little drinking, though? Now that's a different thing. After all, wine is good for you, right? It's good for your heart, it's good for your cholesterol, it's loaded with antioxidants. Sometimes when you've had a really long, exhausting day and your kids are making you nuts and your husband has forgotten to take out the trash again and you start to become what some people might consider a little edgy, in that case, having some wine is a kindness, a public service even. So just remember that we here at Will Write for Wine do not encourage excessive drinking. We do, however, encourage you to not beat your husband over the head with a garbage can lid. And if it takes a little bit of wine to prevent that, then we suggest a light Chardonnay.
2: Thanks for staying with us. I'm Samantha Graves. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Will Wright for Wine. We're tackling listener questions. And this week's question is from Jennifer Duffy in Montgomery, Texas. Thank you, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. She asks, I'm always hearing about the mechanics of plotting, doing <laughs> doing so on note cards, huh? And now Sam with the spreadsheets, interesting and speaks to my little spreadsheet heart, but I'm afraid I don't get it. How do you do this organized plotting? I'm a mess, it seems. A pantser who really, really wants to be a plotter. And how about books uh, to help with plotting? Any recommendations for that?
1: Well, Jennifer, I will tell you, you and I are definitely cut from the same cloth. (laughs) I'm a pantser through and through. And while I've been doing a little more planning lately, I still need to have as much of my playing field open as possible when I'm writing. Unfortunately, I'm really the wrong person to answer your question uh, because I don't put much stock in most of the how-to writing books out there. Um, It's not that they're Bad at all. And there are times when classic theory and structure are really, really great. Like Christopher Vogler's Writer's Journey comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly, I think you have to find your own way. And the only way to do that is to try out different things. I've done spreadsheets, I've done colored index cards, nothing has worked. But because I tried it, I now know what does and does not work for me. Um, so far, the only remotely organized thing I've been able to do is map out the turning points, those points in the story at the end of each act, which fundamentally change your character forcing her to move in a new direction. So I think it's probably best um, I just admit that I'm of no help to you and just hand it over to Sam.
2: (laughs) Yay! A plotting (laughs) question! My absolute favorite part of writing.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm
2: running a survey. Those of you who are plotters and adore doing puzzles, which means you cannot start, you cannot uh, finish, you you can't stop one without (laughs) finishing it first. Raise your hands. Or start one. Yeah. Right. Or start one. Start or stop one without finishing it. <laughs> Raise your hands. Now, Lonnie, do you like puzzles? I do. do you, can you, I do. Can I you, enjoy puzzles. Can you do one without, can you stop it and then, like, without finishing it and then throw it back in the box? Uh, no. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, no. I mean,
1: I can like, yeah. Well, I, I will start a puzzle and uh-huh. then when I'm no longer amused, I will stop. Okay. See,
2: <laughs> that's my point. I think it's uh-huh. a puzzle thing. Uh-huh. And okay. I'm I'm uh-huh. I'm interested to know if plotters and pantsers if that's like the defining difference between them. I don't know. That may be. Yeah. But anyway, mm-hmm. I adore puzzles and I mm-hmm. can never stop one without mm-hmm. finishing it. So I have mm-hmm. to finish it. And it's sort mm-hmm. of like making order out of chaos. You take all those little pieces. I mean, I I'm, mm-hmm. I'm one of those people that literally swoon in right. the organizational and storage aisle at Home Depot. <laughs> like my favorite aisle. I could just sit there and I just like drool. I'm like,
1: oh I could use this in the back hall Uh and whatever. Anyway, okay, okay plotting. (laughs) I know, I've seen your Christmas decorations. Bins and bins and bins. And aren't they color coded? No. (laughs) Don't you have everything? They are organized though. But, Jennifer,
2: I have tried everything. I've tried the cards, the spreadsheets, the outlines, the collages, the software, the storyboarding, the color-coded sticky notes, all sorts of charts. You name it, I've done it. (laughs) And I have found my method. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned is the same thing that Lonnie has, which is every writer needs to find their own way. Right. Mm -hmm. My advice is to try them all. It can't hurt. You might find that that one way that works perfectly for you, or that you like parts of one method and parts of another, Mm -hmm. or that you do like Lonnie does, which is working with the turning points. Mm -hmm. And even that much might be enough structure, you know? Mm -hmm. The uh, fun thing about this is that along the way, you learn a lot about writing and about yourself, how your mind works, how you do your puzzles, you know, how you do puzzles. Mm And uh, I think it's sort of a writer initiation thing to try mm-hmm. to get that to try to get that process down hmm. And uh, oh and we uh, and drink wine. <laughs> yes. Both Lottie and Absolutely. I highly recommend that method. <laughs> <laughs> so great question, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. to get your mm-hmm. question on the show, send them to
1: feedback at willwriteforwine.com. Now for this week's we recommend segment. Right. Each week we're going to recommend something, music, books, movies, TV shows, websites, whatever that mm-hmm. we love so that we can share them with you. Sam, what are you recommending this week? Um, I'm going to recommend iStockPhoto.com.
2: Oh, I love that place. I know. This is a website that sells excellent quality stock photos and videos um, very reasonably. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use them for all of our Wheelwright for Wine graf- graphics except the beautiful Weinstein logo, right, mm-hmm. which I made. Yes. And uh, I have uh, also used them for my website and my MySpace and my video for Sight Unseen. Right. I actually Mm -hmm. bought short video clips and and used them in the video. It was really cool because it gave Mm -hmm. it movement, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, all you have to do is create an account and buy points, and then you shop using those points and download the images right to your computer. They have a huge selection, and you can find anything you're looking for.
1: Yeah, it's Absolutely. I totally, totally uh, second that recommendation mm-hmm. because it's such a fabulous place. I do a lot of uh, graphics work just generally for stuff, and uh, and it's been really great for mm-hmm. us. So, um, okay. Although read the rights very carefully because you cannot make a profit in anything you do or you have to buy a different licensing so just right. you know be careful <laughs> that's why we made our own logo for the stuff that we merchandise um this week for me i'm recommending earlyink.com e-a-r-l-y-i-n-k.com this is a website where you can get previews of new and upcoming books read excerpts uh, view covers and browse um based on what kind of books you like mm. the thing that's really great about this site is that um you can look at the kinds of books that you like i mean everything that you're looking for you can search for if you're interested in, you know, series books or mysteries or romances or chick or whatever. And it will come back with all the books that are coming out now that, uh, you know, that meet what you're looking for. So it's a, awesome. a really great way to get kind of readers and um, and new authors together. And I mean, anybody who has a new book coming out can use the service, mm-hmm. but I think it's especially great for debut authors because it's really an opportunity to kind of access all the readers that are looking for what it is that you write, which is really, really hard to do. Right. So right. um, I think it's absolutely wonderful. It's still in early days right now, so mm-hmm. there aren't as many books on there. Um, but I think it's going to take off like a shot and just do really, really great. So um, go ahead and check it out at earlyink.com. Sounds good. We're going to take a quick
2: break, and we'll be right back.
0: A sexy international art thief with a license to steal and a past she can't escape. An ex-cop with a murder to avenge and nothing left to lose. A calculating killer launches a deadly game. From the heat of Havana to the streets of New York City, the race for justice is on. Sight Unseen by Samantha Graves. Now available at a store near you.
1: Thanks for coming back with us. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Samantha Graves. And this is will Write for Wine. Yay. And tonight, we're talking about dialogue, which is one of my favorite things. Um, my first writing attempts were movie and television scripts, so dialogue and action tags were pretty much all that I had. And to this day, there's nothing I like to write better than good dialogue. <laughs> I have to admit that I'm pretty clueless
2: about this particular topic. I, I, I guess I just never really thought of it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think about it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just part of writing. So, um, and then Lonnie brought it up as a, as a topic for the show. And, and I'm like, sure, let's do that. And meanwhile, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, God, I hope I come up with something by then. <laughs> which I haven't. <laughs> All I know about dialogue is that when you read a line in one of my books, you should be able to tell which character is speaking without any tags.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That, and um, you said... Whenever necessary. Right. Necessary. And don't add any lees to the tag, which (laughs) I learned from Lonnie. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise. (laughs) So mostly I'm going to sit back and drink wine and let Lonnie take this one. I'll be the uh, color commentary.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So take it away, Lonnie. All right. (laughs) Actually, most of what I'm saying tonight comes from a post I wrote earlier this year on the Cherry Forums, which is at uh, www.cherryforums.com, which is where fans of the wonderful Jennifer Cruzey go to hang out and talk writing. So if you're looking for a place where brilliance is free and in abundance, head on over there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And tell them Lonnie sent (laughs) you. Anyway... Uh dialogue is really tricky, uh but some people kinda have an ear for it, uh the way that some people have perfect pitch. Um I, I'm not one of those people who has perfect pitch. <laughs> <laughs> But I hear about it, and I hear it's really great. Um, I think Sam is one of these people who kind of had, just has an ear for dialogue. Because when she said she never really thought about dialogue, I was shocked. Because usually you can tell um, when somebody doesn't think about dialogue because they're bad at it, <laughs> and the dialogue oh, plunk just plunks. Like you know, <laughs> actually Stephen King in his book on writing has an excellent section on um, bad dialogue. I, I prefer not to um, use other people's bad dialogues so <laughs> tonight. But if you're really interested in the topic, definitely get Stephen King's On Writing because it's got a fabulous section on that. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, when I was in college, my screenwriting professor um, on, like, the first week of the class had us go out somewhere in public and just eavesdrop, then write down everything the people said verbatim. Um, When you do that, you get conversations like this, and Sam and I are going to dramatically act them out because it's really fun. So anyway, (laughs) girl one. So I um, went to the um, thing with my professor, and then she goes to the cashier. Sorry about the nickels. Girl 2: What about the guy? Girl 1: The oh, drop the class. Um cream cheese condiment table. <laughs> I was like so glad. I miss I
2: kind of miss the hat though. Um want to sit by the window or the uh sure. Hey, you knit, right? Well, a little. My mom had this thing about Christmas stockings. Ooh,
1: you could totally teach me. Uh I don't make hats. <laughs> Okay, so as dramatic dialogue, it's really not much. (laughs) <laughs> but it gives you a lot of the things that people do in regular speech. You know, now you want to weed out the uhs and the ums unless they serve a dramatic purpose, like your character is nervous and stammering, um, which we have absolutely no reason for here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing you get here is the classic dual conversation. Two people are having a conversation, but talking about different things. They're talking um, about the hat guy. They're talking about their lunch, um, where they're going to sit, etc. In real conversations, people don't stick purely to one topic. And so having two conversations at once, can lend a sense of authenticity to the dialogue Uh, the only thing is you want to make sure both conversations have a dramatic point because every word counts Uh, the thing with dialogue is that you can banter about all day and it's really fun but you have to make your point or your audience is going to get real irritated real fast here's the same conversation reworked with a dramatic bent and and we've actually i've given them names it's shannon and Mm -hmm. lila now so okay shannon i went to the thing with my class lila What happened with the guy? Who? Dan? He dropped the class, thank God. Where's the cream cheese? Beats the hell out of me. I just work here. I don't miss him at all. Um, I kind of miss the hat. Can we sit next to the window this time? I suppose I could knit one for myself. The ear flaps were kind of cute. Do you knit? No. So by the window? I kind of miss the hat. (laughs) (laughs) So here, the conversation in its elements is pretty similar, but the dramatic points have been polished a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've dropped a couple of hints about what's going on with the characters, had two people being rude to Shannon, and she never reacts. Because the, uh, there's also the cashier in there. One of the people that mm-hmm. Sam was reading was the cashier, too. Um <laughs> And uh, so it says something about her character. We've got the overlapping dialogue, so we know that Lila just really wants to sit down, and Shannon kind of maybe has a crush on this Dan that she's transferred to the hat. So while the first encounter was realistic and kind of dull, this rides the line between realism and drama, which is what you've got to do. You've got to make unrealistic dialogue sound natural, and it's really kind of tricky. Hmm. So the next... <laughs> It's the color commentary. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can do this. Distinctive speech patterns. Right. <laughs> That's the header for the next section. She's just going to read the section titles. Okay. Um, I've seen it recommended frequently that you give your characters distinctive speech patterns, which is what uh, Sam was talking about earlier, that, you know, whenever you're reading her books, her point is that, um, you know, if you read the dialogue, you know who's saying what just based on the way that they use their words because you get used to the way that they talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's a really good thing. It's never been a strong point of mine. <laughs> Right, a lot of fast-paced, kind of witty banter. And uh, so a lot of times my characters kind of all sound the same. <laughs> it's okay, I'm working on it. <laughs> um, one thing I will say is try to avoid getting too dialect um, which is actually not a word, but I just coined it, so use it <laughs> freely. Um, it's my personal advice. Some people will contradict me, and be right, that happens a lot. Um, but as a reader, phonetic dialogue makes me insane. The occasional ah, uh, like A-H for a southern, I, you know, as in I don't want to go to the store, I don't want to mm-hmm. go to the store. Um, won't kill anybody, Uh, but when I read dialogue that's all written out phonetically, the book hits the wall. It drives me crazy, like when you've got these, you know, very strong um, accents or you're trying to write somebody who's French and they always have Z-E for the, you know, after a while it just gets really irritating. Um, And you can get most dialect quirks across just by carefully choosing your words. For instance, here are a few ways different people might say yes, Sam. I heartily agree.
2: Absolutely, sugar. You bet your ass.
1: (laughs) Right. Now, which one is from New Jersey? You
2: bet your ass. (laughs) Right.
1: See? It's not that hard. (laughs) Um, Also, you can learn a lot about dialogue from watching dialogue-heavy stuff like uh, His Girl Friday, which is a fabulous movie with um, Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell, and I love it. Um, Also, the television show Moonlighting from the 80s, which is actually where I learned dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) I was watching that when I was a kid. And uh, Gilmore Girls, anything by Aaron Sorkin. Um, Although I warn you, you do run the risk of what I call, uh, of becoming what I call Sorkinized, which is also... A word I've made up. Again, use it freely. Um, what I mean by that is that your characters are going to start talking like machine gun fire, and the dialogue <laughs> will be entertaining but will cease to be even remotely realistic. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, depending on what it is that you write. Um, I can tell you right now that I am. Fully (laughs) Sorkinized. I learned dialogue from watching Moonlighting. To this day, that's how my characters speak. I obviously cannot get enough of it. And since I write light and funny, I stay on that end of the spectrum. Um, But there are loads of places to go in between being Sorkinized and writing fully realistic dialogue. Mm -hmm. Uh, So while that stuff can be great for giving you an ear for a particular style of dialogue, the rat-a-tat-tat machine gun fire may not be right for you or what you're trying to do. Like I don't think in Sam's books... (laughs) <laughs> that kind of stuff would really um would really pan out really well it's, but, it just
2: doesn't go well over the dead bodies,
1: yeah, you know, you know all yeah. the witty banter, but I love yeah. it I mean man yeah. when I get when I get the, <laughs> the hero and the heroine in a room together like in the comeback kiss, I just honestly could have written those two characters in a room all day long, no drama just da, 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 <laughs> you know um and it was really fun for me, and I don't regret it I mean I think that I think that one of my weaknesses as a writer is the is that a lot of what I write, like, my, my characters do kind of sound the same, you know, and I, I will cop to that. I totally will. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things I'm kind of working on and, and figuring out. It helped a lot next in The Single Girl because I had a lot of southern characters and then I had a British character. So mm-hmm. I, I actually really did make them distinctive there because they were all from different places. But when I get a bunch of people that are from kind of the same area, they're like, da da you know. So, uh, you know, whatever. Okay, so go okay. ahead with the next header. Yeah, next
2: header, Everyone Lies. Mm-hmm. Which should be a book title, I think.
1: Should be a book title. It comes, to, actually, House, I think. I got that from House. The television show House with the Cranky Doctor. Oh, I have to explain all him. this to Sam because she doesn't watch TV. No, I, I I do watch him once in a while. Oh, you do? Oh, I do. Man, I know. I do like him. Yep. Hugh Laurie kills me. Um, but anyway, that's one of the things that he says in almost every single episode is that mm-hmm. everyone lies. And um, unfortunately, it's really, really true. <laughs> Uh, the single most important thing to remember when doing dialogue is this: when it comes to the important stuff, no one ever says what they really mean. Very rarely, <laughs> usually only in climax scenes after you've gotten through all the crap. Yeah. Um, so, take our scripted example with Shannon and Dan, the hat guy. <laughs> Shannon misses Dan and has obviously been talking about him quite a bit since her friend Lila knows knows to ask about him. Um, but she won't say she misses Dan. Instead, she misses the hat and is even thinking about knitting one for herself as a substitute for Dan um, with ear flaps, too, which I think is really... <laughs> so Every girl wants a hat with ear flaps, let me tell you. Um, when it comes to the important stuff, no one ever says what they really mean. And if they do, they stammer. <laughs> For instance, out of the following, which do you think Shannon is more likely to say? First one: I've been thinking, it's not the hat. I have a thing for Dan. Or, I um, wow, I just had this thought. I I really like that hat. I mean, it was cool and it made me smile in class. But, you know, I've been thinking, and maybe it's not the hat. You know, I think maybe I kind of miss Dan. You <laughs> know, to which your friend Lila would say, "Yeah, no kidding, huh?" <laughs> Now, actually, both are viable choices. uh, But Mm -hmm. the one you choose is going to say a lot about your character. And the first one, she's confident in making a strong statement about a very personal thing. People don't typically do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, When they talk really close to what they mean, they're not very articulate. As as a general rule, a lot of it depends on your character, but as a general rule, that's what you'll find. Uh, so for that first example, as a reader, I would have doubted that she really does have a thing for Dan because she's stating it so outward, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Um, in the second example, I would absolutely believe, as a reader, that she's got a thing for Dan because she's unwilling to really admit it. Uh, people s- never say what they mean. I'm telling you, bunch of liars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which brings us to boys versus girls. Right. Another thing in dialogue is that you really need to recognize that men and women speak differently. Uh Um, I have only just become conscious of this. (laughs) So don't look to my published books as examples (laughs) how to do this. Men tend to speak in short sentences that get directly to the point. Yes. Uh, women tend more to meander, to go off on tangents, to engage in more than just subject and verb. Mm-hmm. Um, I was made aware of this recently when I got a comment on a scene I was working on in which my male character used the word actually a lot. <laughs> I use the word actually all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those insidious, invisible handle words I use. Like, like. Which I also mm-hmm. use in my speech all the time, and it's so annoying to listen yes. to. But I use it all the time. I just—I I grew up in the '80s. I'm sorry. Um, and, and these uh, these little like ticks, which are annoying in speech, but they're just so ingrained, I can't weed them out. Um, anyway, it turns out most guys don't do that. <laughs> So I went back through the scene and I took out all the actuals, and my friend was totally right. It worked so much better. His character came across so much clearer and really mm-hmm. the way that I wanted him to be. Um, and he sounded more like a guy, yeah <laughs> rather than a girl.) <laughs> I think all my guys sound like girls. I'm going to need to go back and read them all. But I'm like, oh. Because she said this to me, and this is I'm working on like my seventh or eighth book. And I'm like, oh, really? Oh, shoot. You know, and I hadn't even thought about it. Um, But anyway, you know, small touches like that really can make a huge difference in your dialogue. And so it's something when you're writing men and women that you you want to be very conscious of. Right, right. All right. So do you have anything else to add? (laughs) Do we have anything else to talk about in
2: dialogue i'm like so bad because i'm like yeah you're right yeah you're right I, how did i write
1: like seven books i don't know i don't know. <laughs> but they're really good they're really good and you do write very good dialogue i mean the thing oh, thank you. you know it's really a trick between like you know like I was talking about at the beginning between being mm-hmm. um being realistic being believable and being actually realistic you right. know and um when you're writing f- like dra- dramatic dialog mm-hmm Somebody probably would never actually say it that way, you know, because you've got to weed out all the ums and the likes and the actuallys and, like, all those little things, the little verbal tics that people have. Um, right. But, uh, but once you get past that and you get to the heart of what the dialogue's about, you know, it really has to be the kind of things that people would actually say. And they just don't, mm-hmm. they don't talk about things that, uh, that really matter. <laughs> <laughs> they never say what <laughs> they really mean. Not deliberately lying, but I mean everybody does it. You know, you just right. to, you kind of talk around what you really, well, what you really mean because it makes you vulnerable. You know, yeah. Well, and especially in a
2: novel because that's part of their journey. Mm-hmm. Getting past that exactly is part of their journey. So exactly. yeah, if yeah. they
1: were completely honest, it'd be a very short book.
2: It would. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I think All that, right, that cool. actually covers. That was. That was pretty uh pretty swift moving on the c block there (laughs) because it was just me (laughs) oh
2: good job good job Mm -hmm. all right uh you ready for more wine oh god yes (laughs) (laughs) oh were you talking to them (laughs) both we're gonna take a quick break and we'll see you shortly
0: for 29 years carly mckay has known that her mother was never coming back her father was never going to file for divorce, her little sister was never going to grow up, and that psychics were full of crap. This year, all that changes. From award-winning author Lonnie Diane Rich comes The Fortune Quilt, a heartwarming story about family, psychics, love, and quilts, and what happens when they all collide at once. Publishers Weekly calls The Fortune Quilt vibrant, Kirkus Reviews calls it beguiling. And you can call it yours if you just head on down to your local bookstore because it's available now. Pick up your copy today.
1: Thanks for coming back. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Samantha Graves. And this is Will Wright for Wine. Want to win some great prizes? (laughs) Yes, guys! You've been waiting to do that. We finally swapped spaces, and I knew you are just waiting to do that. It's fun, isn't it? It Put is. Go down to willwriteforwine.com and give us some feedback. We're looking for reader questions, listener questions, writer questions, wine suggestions, or just general commentary about the show. We're not picky. We're not picky. Each each month, <laughs> all eligible entries will go into a wine bucket. Yay. At the end of the month, we'll pull a name out of the bucket to win a fabulous prize.
2: On tap for May, we have a signed copy of Unearth by CJ Berry, also writing as Samantha Graves, <laughs> and a signed copy of Maybe Baby by Diane uh, Lonnie Diane Rich, Lian- also Lian- writing Lian- as Lani. Diane Lonnie Rich. <laughs> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Is this the D-block? Oh, it is the, D block. It's it's is the damn D-block. It's the damn D-block. We thought if we swapped it that we'd do better, but there's there's just apparently, no saving the D-block.
1: There's, no, there's no saving the D-block.
2: <laughs> All you have to do is to enter is send us email at feedback at willwriteforwine.com or comment on our website.
1: Yes, we will announce the May winner on our June first show. So send in your comments and suggestions now. And up next, we have the dun 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 dun. sound effects. Weekly weigh-in. Yay. All right, Sam, how'd you do this week? Well, I had twelve
2: new pages. Great. But I did all the edits uh, from my critique partner.
1: Hi, that would be me. <laughs> and my book. And the book is so good. Oh my god. Okay,
2: sorry. <laughs> Thank you. And I plotted the last fifty pages, so I, I didn't know, get, and I can't wait. I know. Well, I, and and you know, sometimes you just you know you have to take that you have to stop, and you just have to mm-hmm. just.
1: Oh yeah, think. you do. Especially you in the think. before the end, before yes. you hit the yes. the climax scenes and all that kind of stuff, you really have to. But you, you can write it faster now. I think you can. <laughs> what are you doing podcasting? You're and supposed
2: to be writing this book. Well, And my climax scenes are like so complicated, you know. Oh.
1: My God, they are. They're awesome. But I mean, it's always so complicated. You've got this choreography going on. I mean, it's yeah. great, but I would never yeah. be able to write any of those. I lose my mind. So how'd you do? Well, I actually did okay. (laughs) I was working on a new book for a proposal. And uh, I started with an idea and I wrote 10 pages. Mm -hmm. And then I threw out that idea and I wrote another 10 pages. with the same (laughs) character, totally different scenario. Um, Then I threw out that scenario, wrote another 10 pages. Then finally, I realized that the story doesn't start until later, so I threw that out and wrote another 10 pages. So for those of you keeping track at home, that's 40 pages written, of which 10 are usable probably (laughs) so both a good and a bad week (laughs) but the good news is they
2: were all good I read them all they were wonderful Oh well, thank you. Could you. have done any of them, yeah.
1: Oh yeah. well, thank you very much. They, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's at the beginning of a book. It's really hard for me because I need to write, you know, what's called discovery writing, where you're just mm-hmm. writing in the character to kind of get to know them. Mm-hmm. And so I had this character that I liked, but then I'd put her in these different scenarios, and and nothing would work. And I kept trying to figure it out, and then um, and then I realized that I didn't need any of that <laughs> stuff. Like I didn't care about what happened that created the situation. I cared about the situation, ah. you know, that that was that was happening. To her, So I yep. ended up jumping ahead and killing all that stuff in the backstory, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you always have to do. I can't even tell you how many times I critique somebody and I tell them to cut the first three chapters. It's always the first three chapters. It's always oh, so painful. <laughs> but we spend so much time, we have to write that stuff so that yep. we know what happened to them and how they got to where they are. Mm-hmm. But when you start the book, you want to start it where they are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so 40 pages. Yay me. Yay you. Of which there's possibly 10 usable <laughs>
2: so and now it's time for uh this week's random etc segment Yay. where we do whatever we want because it's our show <laughs> and this week it is killer
1: word Killer word. i love, love this part i don't know word. i don't know if any of the listeners really like this part <laughs> but i freaking adore it i love the killer word this is like my favorite part of any show <laughs> okay so hit me oh i get to go first oh wait let me yeah, yeah. okay Sorry, I know listening to me drink isn't amusing for you guys, but it's necessary for me. All right, so my word is adambrate. Adam Brait. Adam? Adam Brait. Go ahead and spell it.
2: O M B R A
1: I T. Okay. And what do you think it means?
2: (laughs) (laughs) It is it's when atoms all
1: braid together.
2: It makes an atom
1: braid. (laughs) Very creative. I don't know if it's scientifically sound as a theory, but it's very creative. Thank you. All right, are you ready? Yeah. The actual spelling is A D U M B R A T E. Adam Bray. And it is a verb Uh which means to give sketchy or slight representation of, to outline. Ah, to plot? Sort (laughs) of. Sort of. It's like to, to basically to give somebody like an outline. And, and actually in the example that I found, they were talking about people, you know, who like, you know, describe their book. So when mm-hmm. you pitch a book to you, a potential, oh. you adumbrate. When you give a synopsis, you're given the overline, the overview, the outline, and you adumbrate. So That's you cool. actually adumbrate quite often. That's interesting. <laughs> I <laughs> thought that was interesting too. I'd never heard of that before. <laughs> I love when I
2: find cool. these words and I'm like, I have no idea. I know. It is. You know, it's amazing when you go through the dictionary. It really is. I
1: know. I love it. It's yeah. so much fun. It it's is. It's so much fun. All right. So now All <laughs> it's right. your turn to stump me. So you ready? <laughs> yes. Tileism. Tileism? Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Tileism. T-I Okay, now I have to choose between (laughs) A-L and L. (laughs) Okay, I will say T-I-A-L-I-S-M And it is The belief In all things (laughs) Tie-dyed No (laughs) Well, boy, I'm glad it's no Because (laughs) otherwise that would be disturbing So what is it?
2: Actually, it's spelled Mm -hmm. P T Y. Oh, that's just rude! Giving me the silent P. I I know, I know, I know, I know. know It was mean. P T Y A L I S M, and it is an P T Y A L I S M. Okay, okay. Uh (laughs) it is an excessive flow of saliva. Oh, gross! Which is what happens when the UPS man shows up with (laughs) wine. (laughs)
1: I thought it was very apropos for today. So it's like a medical condition? Is that what you're telling <laughs> Drool. It's drool. It's drool. It's excessive drool. That is hilarious. I love that. Although that was rude. That was rude. Giving me the silent P with the T. That was tough. That was tough. I will give you that. All right. Well, that takes care of this week's random et cetera and killer words. One of these weeks, one of us is going to get it. It's going
0: to be glorious. And now it's time for a refill, so we'll be right back. If a half-hour week of Lonnie and Sam isn't enough for you, we've got some suggestions. First, there's LiteraryChicks.com, where Lonnie blogs with fellow writers and hilarious gals, Michelle Kuna, Whitney Gaskell, Eileen Rindall alicia holiday and beth kendrick every month brings new special guest authors and new giveaways so stop on by for more sam go ahead and click your way on over to samanthagraves.com she's got the latest news contests and some great giveaways there are also links to her blog her myspace page but you got to go there. And the website for our alter ego, CJ Berry, author of award winning futuristic romances. So be sure to check out literarychicks.com and samanthagraves.com for more from the girls.
1: Well, it's time for Last Call here on Will Ripe right for Wine. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. And mm-hmm. be sure to send your wine suggestions to us at feedback at com or in the comments sec- section of the website. Mm-hmm. Send good wine suggestions to Sam. Me. <laughs> Send cheap wine suggestions to me. Lonnie. Also, don't miss our cool Cafe
2: Press store where you can get all sorts of fun Will Write for Wine merchandise with our beautiful wine stain logo. The link can be found in the right hand column of the website at willwriteforwine.com.
1: And don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley or review us Mm -hmm. at iTunes. If you do, then good things will happen to you. I can't Mm -hmm. tell you what good things specifically because then that will ruin the surprise. But trust me, good things (laughs) next week we're going to talk about the 50 ways to torture your
2: characters so if you have any questions or ideas on torturing
1: characters send them
2: along as a bonus you get entered in the monthly contest
1: right and that is going to be a really good time because once you get over the initial kind of instinct to protect your characters torturing them becomes really really fun it is so until next week, this is Lonnie. And this is
2: Sam saying if you can't write for money, then write for wine. Good night. Bye. Bye. will write for wine is brought to you every week by Lonnie, Diane, Rich, and Samantha Graves. Visit us at willwriteforwine.com where you can find show notes, news about what we're up to, and sign up for email notification when a new show is available. And don't forget to friend us on MySpace at MySpace. slash willrightforwine. Music provided by the good folks at the Podsafe Music Network. Music.podshow.com If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends. Go vote for us on Podcast Alley. Leave a glowing review on iTunes, or just send us a note. Really, we'll take pretty much anything, because aside from wine and writing, we don't have a lot going on here at Will Write for Wine. And whenever you vote or so leave a nice comment, we get very, very, very happy. So take a minute out of your day and make our whole week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you here next time on Will Write for Wine.
0: It's not morning anymore, so I have a diet cola and another diet cola. but then I'm feeling fine, and I'm feeling pretty sharp, and I'm feeling pretty wired, and I'm getting things done, but right about two, I get this little tiny migraine...